0: Nova and welcome to the week two edition of the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. I'm Adam. Tier and that is Justin Brian Scott is still better than Luis Perez Mark
1: he is I'm not going to back down from that Adam week one in the books we all thought we could put our fantasy teams together and some of them for me worked out some of them did not um, how'd you do this weekend
0: uh, not as well as I would hope it was a, I think I was one in three this weekend But part of that was also because I ran into like a 120-point buzzsaw in week (laughs) one. And I was just floored that they put up 100. Well, they had Jeff Bidette, the Roughnecks defense, or the Renegades defense, and Luis Perez. So it was just, what am I going to do? He's got 75 right there from three positions.
1: What are you going to do? do It's
0: really hard to make that up. I scored 55 which is respectable in spring football. Like, let's just remember sure. that. But,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, God. That was – it was a rough weekend for me. One and three, not what I wanted to do. But what's she going to do about it?
1: It's spring ball, though. It's all about adapting. And uh, that's what we're going to help with, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, so let's get into it. You know, let's just talk about this. First impressions, you know, we opened up on Saturday – with the Vegas Vipers and the Arlington Renegades going head-to-head. Scant crowd. Texans scared of weather with their football, apparently. I'm shocked high schools don't play in domes in Texas.
1: <laughs> no doubt, especially with how big football is there. That crowd was disappointing. I I thought there would be a better turnout, especially since that is the hub.
0: I mean, it is what it is, but, you know, in the game, We were all, you, me, everybody was like, the Renegades offense is going to be it. But we were assuming it was going to be Kyle Sloater. Drew Plitt just, he didn't seem like he's that dude. I don't know what. I I don't know if Kyle Sloater, you know, said something about Bob Stoops' hair or (laughs) isn't getting along with Jay Hayes and Chuck Long. I don't know what, but Drew Plitt did not have a convincing day for me. I was not impressed by... Drew Plitz day I mean what about you I mean he only missed on six passes but
1: he just didn't do much with the ball uh, had the one interception so yeah he needs to be just show some more flesh if he wants to keep that job in my opinion I, I think it'll be Sloaters before you know it
0: I, I mean sure he he had a 72 76 percent completion percentage but only 172 yards on 25 attempts you need to get the ball down the field more you need to attack a little bit more yeah you know for he's sure. under seven yards per attempt and he turned the ball over once you know he just didn't seem to get that offense going and he couldn't get it to guys like Tyler Fonz and Brandon Arcanado, you know and it's just it was unimpressive Sal Canelo was exactly who he thought he was going to be but overall with Plitt under center this Renegades offense just seems stagnant and not able to do anything, and it seemed like they just keyed on the run early. You know, they had a long run of eleven, which was the Drew Plitz scam- scramble.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, until he shows more consistency or slower starting, it's going to be hard to trust anybody aside from Sal canella among those pass catchers.
0: Yeah, I mean Davion Smith and Keith Ford both averaged two point eight a carry, so nothing exciting there on the Viper side of things. You know, Luis Perez. Had himself a day for fantasy players, but uh I believe, you know, you and all the other Brian Scott truthers are unimpressed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought I was going to eat my words in that first half because he looked good. He looked good that first half, but then it fell apart. Um, He couldn't hold up under pressure, which is one of the things I've criticized of him. Ended up with three touchdowns, but one of them was garbage time. They were playing prevent D. So I'm only going to give him two touchdowns and two interceptions there.
0: (laughs) I mean, but the three touchdowns count. You know, garbage time matters. And he seemed able to execute the offense. You know, not a bad day, only a 61% completion percentage, but the three turnovers did tag him, but he threw for 250. He got the ball to his playmakers, though. Well, the Vegas run game was non-existent. So I don't know that Woodson needs to get something going out there in Vegas. They need to get something going on the ground or it's going to be trouble for them before too long. You know, was there anybody who really stood out for you among the Vegas pass catchers?
1: Uh, Jeff Bidette. Um, he showed up in a big way. We were waiting for him to get healthy. We talked about how the talent's there. The health is always the problem. But six catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns. He looked good.
0: I mean, and Sinkyu Sweeting really stepped up in a big way. Four targets for three catches, 64 yards. But he seems like he's the deep threat in this offense. While Badet, Allison, and Brian are just going to work the underneath. Martavius Bryant. Poor showing under 50% catch percentage. You got to wonder if Martavis Bryant's going to see some of his snapshare eaten into, you know. And then there's the well, did Geronimo Allison actually have a better day because he might have had a 19 yard catch not given into him because it was given to Mr. Harriel? <laughs> but that's a topic <laughs> for another day. XFL, get your stats right, please. <laughs> so, but overall, you know, an entertaining first game, you know, I was happy from what I saw. And the Renegades' defense, we talked about them as being a good unit. If the Renegades' offense can get their stuff together, this Renegades' defense, and that's a complete team right there.
1: 100% agreed. Uh, um, they, they didn't look great to begin with, but that second half, they made the adjustments and put the pressure on. So, yeah, that defense is going to be good.
0: WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. win bets, build your own bet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And, of course, if you hit the biggest long-shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win bets so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Slash W Y N N B E T. Offer subject to change. terms and conditions at winbat.com must be 21 or older. Present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. Yeah, and moving on to the second game on Saturday, we got the Orlando Guardians, Houston Roughnecks. Good. It started off okay, tied at the end of the first quarter, and then Houston just put their foot on Orlando's throat. Orlando was exactly who we thought they were. And Brandon Silvers, not an amazing day, not a terrible day. He was competent.
1: Yeah. I still he- think
0: Cole McDonald is what is going to unleash that offense. Well, because the 26 for 42, 272, six and a half yards of completion. You know, it's not like it was an ama- or yards an attempt. It's not like it was a phenomenal day. 60%. He was right about 60% but he didn't add anything with his legs. Cole McDonald comes in, and that offense all of a sudden has a running aspect to it with the quarterback. You know, I think Cole McDonald looked like the dude.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I've been backing Cole McDonald since he got assigned to this team. I thought he should be the starter. Uh, You got to wonder if they will make a change eventually, but I think he deserves to at least get more snaps than he did.
0: I mean, and that's going to be the thing. If he's going to get some red zone work, you're going to want to start him over a guy like Paxton Lynch or Quentin Dormady, or even, you know, a Drew Plitt, you know, if he's going to get red zone opportunities and find the end zone, four rushes, 14 yards and a touchdown, seven and a half points. That's going to get it done for you. And then also Max Borgie was exactly who we thought he was going to be. 12 touches for about 90 yards. Good day for Borgie and a touchdown to boot.
1: Yeah, I think uh, if he keeps on this track, he's going to end up being one of the best running backs in this league this year, and I'm excited to see it.
0: I mean, and there were a lot of just target monsters in this Houston offense, Four, throwing the ball 40 few time, 42 times, topped by Deontay Burnett with 12 targets, Tra- Travell Harris with 11, and John Trey Kirkland with eight. You know, Kirkland and Burnett seem like the bona fide one and two in this offense, and I might give Travel Harris some work as well. But it's clear who the one and two are right now in this Houston offense, it seems like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was a little surprised by Burnett having such a big day, but um, he showed up, had the second best uh fantasy wide receiver day of the uh, weekend, so nice to
0: see. And it's just volume is king, volume, 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 volume. You know, and I think that that's going to be a big thing moving forward. And it's really good to just know who's going to get the consistent volume. You know, we'll look at this week in and week out where the trends are heading with that. You know, and on the other side of the ball, the Guardians, you know, they were who we thought they'd be. They were a a talented group with Cody Latimer leading the way, the converted tight end, the converted wide receiver playing tight end. And they were hamstrung by the god-awful quarterback play of Paxton Lynch. 15 for 21, a touchdown and an interception, 136 yards. Quentin Dormady was slightly better, but he threw two picks. You know, neither of these guys are inspiring you right now.
1: No, not at all. Wonder if we're going to see Dondre Francois. Cody Latimer had that touchdown that I thought should have been an interception, but he got the points for you um he he and we're not uh, here to be
0: the refs we're here to <laughs> win the fantasy that's
1: right he and sal Canella, the only tight ends that were really relevant um with how the guardians looked are you automatically playing your offensive playmakers against guardians oh, god, each week? yes
0: god yes i'm looking deep at every playmaking position but at the same time you know garbage time matters as we talk about eli rogers you know, got some work. Diedrich Thomas got some work. Dedrick Thomas, surprising to me, touched the ball in the passing and the running game. That was interesting to see. And then, but really, you know, Andrew Jameel, burner taking the top off of things. His day was bumped by a 51-yard reception, but that's great. But Cody Latimer, Andrew Jameel, Eli Rogers, past that, I'm iffy with the Guardians just because they played so many guys. I don't know why they had. I mean, I know they want to get guys on the field, but it's going to be tough if they're going to have that many guys getting targets week in and week out. I mean, they had how many guys? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys get at least two targets.
1: Yeah, that is insane. And that's hard to have uh, success in fantasy football if you have one of those guys because they are spreading
0: around so much. So, you know, and then we got to Sunday. The best crowd of the day, San Antonio, really – showing that football, they are a football town. You know, the Brahmas came out, the Brahmas showed up, and it was was a slow game to start. You could have just tuned in for that fourth quarter and you would have been okay. And kudos to the fans. The fans were in that game from start to finish, despite there being a grand total of nine points scored in the first three quarters. Three field goals, not an exciting football game, but they were into it the whole time
1: yeah absolutely um and you' love you'd love to see that especially on week one. hopefully it keeps going uh, but yeah, defensive battle, low offensive scoring until really like the last four minutes
0: well you know they were they were drawn huge in the AAF last time around, and they've been kind of the golden nugget, the golden ring for spring leads and yeah, I mean and then that offensive explosion late, I will say though, talking about the brahmas. Jack Cone looked like he had the most pro ready arm out of anybody this weekend. And that includes AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron made his throws. I wasn't surprised by that. Jack Cone stepped out on that field and I was like, this dude can play like the way the ball was zipping off his hand, the way it was arriving with pace on time, it was high at times and that he's just overclocking it a little bit, but if he can clean that up, I very interested to see what this Brahma's offense looks like against maybe not a not as tough a defense as the Battlehawks.
1: Yeah, I agree. A uh, couple of the guys on the XFL Gambling Podcast, naysaying his day a little bit because of a 5.8 average, but he had to get it out quick because that Battlehawks defense was on him quickly. I thought he looked really good. I was very surprised with how Jack Cohn looked because I, I had low expectations, but I thought he did very well. I'm excited to see how he can build on that game and uh, make some bigger plays.
0: I mean, they were plagued by drops. I mean, Jalen Tolliver, they're only dropped the ball twice. You know, they had just had drops, 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 drops. They had like eight, nine drops Mm -hmm. there. And that just killed him because it seemed like he was hitting guys in the hand consistently, you know, but a guy like Landon Akers was just consistently working open. You know, there was that joke that he was the budget Cooper cup, but, Damn, if he didn't look like the budget Cooper Cup, you know, seven catches, 35 yards. I think if this Brahma's offensive line can give Cohn more time and Jalen Tolliver can cure his dropsies, I'm interested to see where this team goes. You know, but they were another team that spread the ball around. Fred Brown with four targets, Jalen Tolliver with five, Kalen Bellage with four, Landon Akers with seven, Travis Johnson with three, and Elise Mack with five.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, the the Akers thing, it's interesting because somebody's going to say, well, he only had 35 yards, but in alt fantasy, points are sometimes at a premium. So seven catches, seven points in a PPR league, that could be uh, do very well for you. That could win a match.
0: And I think part of that was just the Battlehawks defense was both defensive lines were getting after the quarterback. Jack Cohn yeah. was flushed from the pocket, and I don't think we'll see that as often, you know. And although he was only sacked twice, he was flushed out the pocket many, many more times than that. And I think that as that offensive line gels, that'll get better for them. You know, and they also benefited. They established a solid run game. You know, Kalen Belage looked good. He looked yeah. like he belongs on an NFL roster.
1: The, yeah, the know, thing that stood out to me.
0: It, 27 touches. 27 yeah. touches. That is an ungodly number. It is. And, and what's crazy is Jaquez Patrick still had 11. Yep. You know, they're both going to get work. Jaquez Patrick and Kalen Balazs both need to be started every week.
1: Yeah, agreed. Not It surprised me coming from a Heinz Ward offense to see them running the ball so much. But the thing with that stood out to me with Kalen Balazs is he read the defense well for the quarterback. He was pointing out the blitzers, pointing out the mic, picking up. And because of that, you're going to see him on the field more often, which is good for your fantasy team.
0: Well, and they also, you know, they ran 77 plays versus only 42 for the battle Hawks. They were on the field. They were sustaining drives. They just weren't able to finish them.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So, you know, I mean, Jack Cohn, I love to see it, you know, and then talking about the battle Hawks, AJ McCarron, Took his time getting there, but once they opened up that playbook, damn, look at him go.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Very slow start for him, but definitely turned around and played like kind of we thought he would. Um, That's the experience I feel like, the experience showing through that he can make the adjustments, see what he needs to do differently in the second half, and and make it
0: work. I wonder if they didn't, you know, putting more receivers on the field wasn't what really did it for him, and I think they might have been a little too run heavy early, but even because they just didn't run a ton of plays. They ran, they had 15 run plays and 26 pass plays. You know, they ran 42 offensive snaps. That's not enough. That was the lowest by far in the entire XFL. And late, they looked unstoppable once they had Butler, Pearl, Shepard, and, you know, Jordan Thomas, Marcel Aitman. Once they were putting their playmakers on the field, they were looking pretty good you know, almost unstoppable at times. For
1: sure. Um, I was happy to see Austin Prohl get his. Uh, I talked about him a little bit in the preseason on the pod. I just, with having his dad as the wide receiver coach, I thought they were going to have some plays drawn up for him, and that three-point conversion looked like it was drawn up just for him.
0: And then closing it out, we had an exciting game in D.C. on the turf. With you lemons know, on the turf. With lemons <laughs> on the turf, rightfully so. You know, security came for the beer snake, and they said, you can take it from our cold, lemony hands. <laughs> and they had thoughts for it.
1: Yeah, um, the, I, I don't know if I've seen something like that in football before, but it was definitely exciting. I don't know why you're taking the beer snake away. They're known for it. Just let them have it. I I don't, I don't get it.
0: I mean, do you feel like the wrong team won this game, though?
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. the Sea dragons looked like the better team throughout the majority of the game. couple couple turnovers, mistakes that should have been avoided, but yeah, when you get beat by a team that only threw for ninety three yards and nine completions out of twenty one attempts, you should have won the game. but the defense showed up for the defenders.
0: Yeah, I mean, Danucci can't turn the ball over twice. Two picks mm-hmm. is brutal. You know, and you can't, you know, three times even for Danucci, two picks and a fumble, but Danucci looked like, you know, he had a command of the offense outside of those interceptions, Um, you know, and they were moving the ball up and down the field, and we have another two surprising receivers with Ja'Core Patterson and Blake Jackson. I don't know that anybody had those guys pacing this offense. We all thought it was going to be Juwan Green.
1: Yeah, and Pearson with 14 targets um, and 12 catches. Unbelievable.
0: For 95 yards, Josh Gordon looked good, had a touchdown. Nine targets, six catches, 74 yards. You know, that was big. And Blake Jackson, 11 targets, eight catches, 51. You know, Seattle was running their receivers out there. They were running the air raid, but they weren't spreading it around. Ben DiNucci knows who he's going to. He knows where his bread is buttered, and he's going to make it happen.
1: Absolutely. And, and if you're lucky to have one of those top guys in that offense, they're going to continue to just sling that ball. Jacor Pearson might be on your
0: waiver wire. Go get him ASAP.
1: Absolutely agree.
0: So, you know, and then the defenders, just Jordan Tawamu, I, I don't know what was up. I I mean, we, well, no, that's a lie. I We know what's up. We said he might struggle because they didn't have – big receivers with a catch radius. And that's when he was at his most successful ever since that St. Louis team, he struggled to be successful.
1: Yep. Um, I, I am a Tom O'Dowder. Um Everybody probably knows that. And it's, I don't think he's a consistent quarterback, especially with, like you said, smaller receivers, a run game. That's only getting a 2.5 average. He's not going to get the job done that way.
0: No, I mean, they need to figure something out in D.C. D.C. needs to figure out a way to push the ball down the field and open it up for Abram Smith and Reichwell Armstead. Otherwise, they're just going to be hoping and praying that the defense carries them through. Because, you know, Seattle was in a position to win that game last night. And, spoil, stop me if you've heard this one before, Ben DiNucci threw a pick. <laughs> yeah. Ben DiNucci fumbled. Sorry, Ben DiNucci fumbled. Ben DiNucci turned it over. Is not in charge of it because he got down, you know, they got down to the goal line. They were there ready to win it, but Danucci just couldn't hold on to the ball. And it was a little, it looked like it was a little slippery and wet there in DC, but field conditions are going to be a thing. And you got to, got to hold on to the ball, got to protect the chalupa at the end of the day. It was all lemony. (laughs) It was all lemony. So it might have been slippery, but it smelled fresh. (laughs) That's right. As we're looking ahead to next week, you know, um, the games we got, you know, how are you feeling looking at some of these games next week in these matchups? I
1: I mean, you're going to want to start your Brahmas because they're playing the Guardians. So I think Jack Cohn could take that step forward and uh, have a really good day. That's something I'm kind of excited to see him do. And then um, just seeing – I mean, we got Thursday night football, Battlehawks Sea Dragons in Seattle. I'm excited to see what that crowd looks like.
0: I mean, I'm hopeful that we get to see a big time. I'd like a shootout here. I'd like the Battlehawks to keep that offense open and just really turn it loose. You know, who's the guy? So let's just talk. You know, who's a guy on each team that you're really paying attention to this week? So on the Battlehawks, who's a guy? You're really paying attention to that. You're looking at making sure you get in your lineups. Uh,
1: Brian Hill. Um, I think he ran hard and I just, I like how he plays. I was high on him going into the season and I think they're going to continue to get him involved. Even when they are throwing the ball often, I think they're going to keep getting Hill involved.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think the running game is going to be there, but I think you've got to have a plan to get Marcel Aitman, Hakeem Butler, or Austin Prohl on your roster. It's very likely one of them is available in your league. Go get the St. Louis receivers because I think they're going to be valuable. I think they're going to get targets. Butler and Aitman are both big physical guys who McCarron will look to in the end zone. And I still think Jordan Thomas is going to be a a dude in this league. I think one target was an anomaly for him. I think it's going to ratchet up next week against a tougher Dragons defense.
1: For sure. And then on um, Seattle's side, I thought Morgan Ellison looked pretty good. Um, He didn't get a lot of playing time, but every time he touched the ball out of that backfield and running backs are going to be so hard, we're already finding out he's most likely out there because, I mean, I looked in several leagues that I'm in, he's out there on the waivers. So I would definitely consider that, especially as a pass catching back and just somebody who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield and run hard. I like what I saw out of him.
0: Yeah. I mean, if he's going to get six, seven, eight touches a game, he's a guy you need to roster, you know, especially if he's going to get some work around the goal line, which he did this past week. I mean, and again, we talked about it. It looks like there's a top three in Seattle with Pearson, Gordon, and Blake Jackson, you know, but you also might look at either Kelvin McKnight and Jordan VC. Both of those guys were involved six and four targets respectively, One of them will most likely emerge as the consistent fourth option. So just make sure you have one of them. Have a dog in this fight. In an air raid offense, you want pieces. You want pieces of all four receivers in spring football. Agreed. You know, and then we take Friday off and Saturday night. We've got the D.C. defenders and the Vegas Vipers. You know, D.C., like we talked about, this offense needs to get it together. This just, this is atrocious. Taumu cannot have a week like he had last week because he didn't even run the ball effectively. The offense looked better when DeEric King came into the game and DeEric King got conversions for them. You know, he was making plays with his legs. And I wonder if we don't see more DeRek King because the Vipers can move the ball up and down the field. And Luis Perez, as much as we like to joke about him, I don't know that he's going to turn the ball over three, four times, especially in what's probably going to be good weather in Vegas.
1: Yeah, for sure. Derek King's somebody that if he's available and I have a roster spot, I'm going to throw him on there because I think we're going to see more of him sooner rather than later. Um, and he, he has some elite speed. So that's definitely a playmaker quarterback that you could throw in, especially when you've got guys like Plitt getting less than 10 points.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think that Lucky Jackson is the receiver to roster in D.C. You're keeping an eye on how everything else is going to shake out because Josh Malone, four targets, one catch. Um, Ethan Wolf, four targets, one catch. You know, lots of guys got targets but didn't produce with them, and I don't know if that's Talamu throwing the ball or just the offense as a whole. So I think it's Lucky Jackson and the running backs, and that's about all you're looking to start in D.C. Agree. You know, and then as we cross to the other side of that field, Vegas, love him, hate him, Luis Perez slung the rock, he got it to his playmakers, and they made plays, you know, you got to be all aboard the Perez train, especially after you watched Ben DiNucci throw for almost 300 yards, second week offense clicking, and Vegas has receivers to take advantage of what looks like a suspect defender's defense.
1: And you have to imagine Prez is going to keep trying to push to impress because Huntley, as soon as he gets that playbook learned, is going to be on his heels. Um, The guy here, I'm looking especially at waivers. You already mentioned him, Sinke Sweeting, uh, really showed up and uh, four targets, three catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. He's not a guy I saw get drafted a lot. So that's somebody, if I'm looking at waivers, I'm definitely looking towards him.
0: Yeah, I might also go Matthew Sexton. You know, five targets, only two catches. But if they're going to run three, four wideouts, and they're going to be doing that consistently, bites at the apple. You need bites at the apple, and we're waiting to see if Rod Smith and John Lovett can show up. You know, right. the Vegas run game was non-existent. They were somewhat involved in the passing game, but it just it wasn't there.
1: Yeah, agree. And, and until it is, they're going to keep having to sling that ball. So, like you said, get a piece of this passing offense.
0: Yeah. So heading into Sunday, four o'clock Eastern you know, great Sunday afternoon game between the Brahmas and the guardians. And, you know, let's talk about this Orlando team because it's just, we got to be wondering what's it going to look like? Are we going to see Lynch Dormady or is Francois going to get some run?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm waiting to see Francois. I thought he was the best quarterback on that team, but, um, I, likely they're going to go with a lynch dormity combo again And so I just don't know if I trust many people But Andrew Jamil is somebody that I saw on most of the waiver wires in the leagues that I'm in So that's somebody I'm looking at Like you said, burner Speed, he had that 51-yard play Got a touchdown So a, a big plays can win you, especially in spring football
0: yeah, I mean, Charleston Rambo, also six targets, you know, nice volume, wasn't pushing it down the field, but that could just be because of the passers. But I'm also keeping an eye on John Martin, you know, had a good day, 10 touches for 42 yards, didn't get into the end zone, but that's okay. He was involved in the game. 10 touches is someone who you got to start week in and week out. And he's someone who has breakaway speed. And, you know, he we saw him in 2019 at a and t just have an absolutely beastly year came back in 2022 he got pushed a little bit more by a new guy got hurt but still has that ability has that talent he's a guy i'm definitely keeping in my roster i'm not bailing on him i think i gotta stay in on jami martin you know for the long haul
1: agreed and, and i liked how he ran too he ran the ball hard every time he had it you thought he could uh break tackle get a couple more yards you'd love to see that because it
0: all adds up yeah and on the other side of the ball just jack Cohn. i think he's going to be a dude he's slinging the rock well you know there were he was plagued by a lot of drops by his team there and i and you can't put that on him at the end of the day at the end of the day Your receivers got to catch the ball. It's not on you if they're dropping it because you're hitting them in the hands. There were a lot. Jalen Tolliver had like two or three that hit him in the hands and bounced off. He's moving. He's pushing the ball hard. I think against this Guardians defense, which isn't that good, and we just saw the Roughnecks carve up. Jack Cohn could be in for a big game. I think he might be. I think he's my like QB two this week. In all honesty. Yeah, I agree. And this is
1: a guy where, you know, he only scored 9.28 points. It's not too early to start make a trade or trade offer for somebody who has Jack Cohn and maybe thinking, well, that was disappointing. I'm going to try something different. Offer a trade for him. Another guy I'm watching because tight ends are just so hard to uh, nail down in spring football. Elise Mack did not have a big game, only three catches, nine yards, but he did have five targets. And I think they're going to keep looking to get him involved.
0: Yeah, I back that up 100% and you know they got the tight ends involved and a big receiver is a young quarterback's best friend and Kalen Bellage and Jacques Patrick seem like they are what makes that offense go both of them need to be started in your lineups every week agreed so and then capping it off you know what do we got on Sunday night talk to us there Justin
1: yeah, the Renegades and the Roughnecks, two really good defenses if they uh, if the Renegades show up like they did in the second half there. Um, so this one might be a bit of a defensive battle, but I'm still excited to see it. Uh, you know, Stoops, Phillips, it should be a really good matchup. Both good coaches, both experienced coaches.
0: I, I, and who are you looking at for Houston? You know, as I'm just looking at it, I think about Brandon Silver's I still think Cole McDonald is the answer in that offense because I think that he brings an element that Silvers just can't. Um, And I think that – but Silvers is capable. And, you know, you got to have him in your lineup. And at the same time, you know, Max Borgie is going to make that offense go. But it's the top three receivers, John Terrell Kirkland, Travell Harris, and Deontay Burnett are the dudes. It's a very clear – clear-cut top three right now in Houston
1: absolutely and Burnett's a guy that stood out to me Um, a a guy that's a a fan of XFL XFL gambling podcast everything we do here he used to be a Houston coach coach used to coach a guy that's on the rough decks and the guy said Burnett really stood out every practice so I think they're gonna keep feeding him the ball definitely somebody you want to try to have on your roster
0: yeah. And on the other side of the ball in this battle of Texas, you know, Drew Plitt, the day's got to be numbered for him. I'm I'm not panicking if I have Kyle Sloter on my roster. If it's possible, I'm holding him. And I'm just waiting because Drew Plitt can't hand in another game like that.
1: 100% agreed. Um, this is going to be Sloter's team before long, I think.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think the guy that I'm really looking at there, um, Brandon Arcanado, only had three catches for 32. But five targets, you know, it's it's going to be there. The work is going to be there for him. He just needs to be patient, especially if especially if Slaughter gets his hands on the this offense. Agreed. You know, that's a guy that I'm just I'm waiting for this Arlington offense to get turned over to his rightful quarterback and see <laughs> what it actually looks like.
1: One hundred percent. Him and Tyler Vaughn's both good options here. And they didn't have big games. So it's going to be guys that somebody's down on. Maybe they drop them, or maybe you can get them in a a trade. So definitely guys to keep your eye on.
0: Yeah. And I think the big thing to keep in mind is just, you know, as we're looking at this, we're looking at Houston really having a big game, you know, 270 yards through the air. You know, as we're just thinking about our projections that we've kind of looked at, Luis Perez is currently. Penciled in as our QB1 via projections. Silvers, QB2, Danucci, McCarron, Cohn, But Perez is kind of on an island by himself right now with that defender's defense coming to town. You know, and then there's the mid-tier guys, and then there's everybody else, which is, you know, Drew Plitt doesn't even rank above Jordan Tawamu and Derek King who are in a timeshare right now. <laughs> That's got to be concerning for Arlington.
1: Absolutely agree. And that's why they got to give the keys to Slaughter soon. I don't know why they didn't to begin with unless there's a health issue we don't know about.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and then just looking at our looking at the running backs, there's only two guys right now that we think are going to be double digits. That's Belage and Borgie, you know, Brendan Knox knocking on the door, Morgan Ellison, Davion Smith. There's a big crop of guys in that three and a half to eight point range. So, you know, running back is tight right now. If there's a guy who's going to touch the ball six, seven times, he needs to be rostered.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a lot of the leagues I'm in, I saw some people grumbling about how their their first pick only got them a point or whatever, but it's going to all start coming together. Um, these guys are going to make some plays, so be patient on your, your players that you think are letting you down um, and just keep your eyes on some of those that, you know, the work is there. Maybe the yards weren't, but it, it'll all come together.
0: And prioritize receivers. You got to have receivers, receivers, and more receivers. Absolutely. And Sal Cannell is can keeping with our trend of uh, our trend of a tight end being a top receiving option in spring football. And
1: rightly so. I mean, he he looked like he did last year in the USFL. Took over. You know, led the team in catches. Yards, um, I and I think that's only going to go up if Slaughter can get in there because they have that connection already.
0: Yeah. All right, Justin. Any final thoughts as we get ready for the waivers on, on waiver wire on week two?
1: Uh, don't bail on your guys too soon. Uh, pay attention to the targets. Um, and yeah, it was a fun week one. Uh, it was fun to see it all come together, and I'm looking forward to week two.
0: Awesome. That is Brian Scott's Biggest Fan, Justin Mark. I'm Adam Pelletier, and we will see you next time.